Yes, indeed, he is free to do whatever he wants. We're talking about David Birnbaum, who was the liberal member of the National Assembly uh, from 2014 until the last election. Uh, and I thought it was time to catch up with David. Welcome to my podcast. This is Mike Cohen. David, welcome. Thank you so much, Michael. So David, uh, as the Rolling Stones say, you're free to do what you want. So let's ask, first of all, uh, the election was in the fall. Uh, you've been, quote unquote, retired as uh, an M&A now for a few months. What are you up to? Keeping quite busy, actually. There's no doubt it's an adjustment to come down from that very intense, challenging and exciting life that I lived for eight years. But I'm keeping pretty busy. I'm uh, with three major projects, uh, trying to enjoy retirement as well. But I'm a professor of practice, they call me, at the McGill Institute for the Study of Canada. So I'm going to be doing some lecturing there. And I'm accompanying another professor and booking a number of speakers. Uh, just completed a, um, a course which will have me volunteering in palliative care at Mount Sinai, which I think will be very meaningful. And I'm on a couple of boards. I'm on the board of the Queen Elizabeth Health Complex and on the board of Santé Mental Quebec. I was very pleased to work in that portfolio during my years in, the, in government and opposition. So keeping pretty busy and adjusting to my new life. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. So I have to, you know, talk about the elephant in the room right away. You know, I work, I've known you a very long time. You and I go back decades and worked with you very closely when you were in MA. You know, you were very popular for most of your mandate. And then the Bill 96 CJEP situation came up and you did a certain, you know, came up with a certain maneuver and it didn't go over very, very well. And unfortunately, you know, that is a legacy that has been left now. When we talk about David Birnbaum, there's so many good things you did, but people keep remembering you for the Bill 96. So I first have to ask you, if you had to do it all over again, would you have done it differently? Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think I'd, I'd, I'd want to say that I'm uh, very proud of the years I put in. And if there's a common thread in my professional career, it's looking at ways to bring together our English-speaking community that I'm so proud to be a part of and the French-speaking majority of Quebec. Uh, from all of my professional uh, perspectives over the years, I've worked hard at that, deeply hard at that. And it's, it's never a zero-sum game. It's always a matter of working in increments towards some very small victories and dealing with some difficult challenges. We are the minority language community in this province. So it's always, always difficult. Um, and I look at the, what I've tried to do and the best I can do as look at whether I've approached this with passion, with sincerity, um, and with a deep conviction that there's room for all of us in Quebec? And my answer to that is yes. Now, look, on this specific uh, and very unfortunate situation, it should be clear, a couple of things need to be clear. One, our party, our minister, frankly, our leader at the time, our caucus, and I made a, a good faith and deeply uh, difficult Mistake. One of the 27 proposals that we beat this bloody government to in talking about how you honestly and inclusively promote French, there were very constructive ideas in that list that came out long before that terrible Bill 96. 
One of those proposals that was made public, uh, that received no criticism, and that in retrospect was very poorly conceived and not properly consulted upon, talked about the sincere and important notion that I am proud of, that our community always needs to be striving as it's done so well to master French. Now, did we make a profound mistake in proposing uh, this regime of three obligatory courses uh, in French? Yes, we made a big mistake. And I sincerely, as part of our party, and as one of those who was to have contributed to these proposals, uh, continued to support it. I did not invent it. And in some ways, if I have any bitterness, and there's very little bitterness, it's that I became the scapegoat for something that was public Quebec Liberal Party policy that no journalist had criticized, that no member of the community had criticized, that frankly, no English CGEP director had criticized when it was deposited. We then got to the formal discussion of it uh, at uh, hearings on Bill 96, and uh, then it was properly identified as a mistake, which I had my part in. But you know what, Michael, and, I, and I, I, I do think it's important. One of the things that I'm proud of in my participation in politics is that I've never felt it was good enough to scream at problems, to bay at the moon and say, right on this, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I've always thought that leadership meant more than just following, it meant leading. And it meant, and it means looking at shades of gray. We're, who better than, frankly, our, our Jewish community to understand what history tells us about living as a minority and finding your way? It's about adapting, it's about finding respect, it's about working with others towards common solutions. And it's about trying to understand your adversary. That means shades of gray and no simple answers. Have I gotten burned for insisting on working on those shades of gray? Perhaps. I'm okay with that and frankly somewhat proud of that. And, and had that whole thing not happened, I mean, Helen David didn't get too much criticism. And I mean, she was the lead player, but of course, her constituency wouldn't have had a problem with that. Uh, but you did kind of, it looks like you kind of walked the plank for that uh, that situation. Had you had that never occurred, would you would you still be an MA today, perhaps? Would you would you have stayed on? No, it's interesting because that is one of the things I'm a bit saddened about. The people who know me and who I most care about understand that I had been uh, spending the last year of my mandate heading towards likely retirement and angsting about the decision. My decision was made long before this amendment came up and uh, some don't choose to believe me on that and I'm a bit sad about that. My, I had made a difficult decision to move on that had nothing to do with this specific item. Uh, you know, politics is a contact sport. I got into the game at 58 years old uh, yeah. you know, and retired at 66. So uh, no, it was a decision that I made with some ambivalence because the job is so fascinating, but yeah. it was not in any way colored by this last chapter, which yeah, was kind of tough. Yeah. 
So, you know, you had some 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 exciting years. You did a lot of good stuff in the, uh, I, I'm sure, like the Darcy McGee Awards that you created. You did a lot of communication with your constituents. But you also got to be in office uh, when the Liberals were in power. And, um, you know, I know you were a go-to guy for me with my school board job and, and even as a city councillor. I'd be able to call you and know that you'd get the ear of a cabinet minister. You were very close with the Premier, Philip Couillard. You actually brought the Premier to Cote St. Luke uh, live in person to speak to the men's club. So there, that must have been a highlight for you to be able to do, to be, to be with the party in power for those years, to play an important role. Yeah, those were very rewarding years, as were the four in opposition. I mean, one of the rewards that I think most elected politicians will tell you is the opportunity to share your views and those of your constituents with those in power. Um, I'm very proud of some stuff that I can't speak in detail about, which, which uh, speaks to my contributions to our discussions over eight years behind closed doors in caucus. I can point to some policies, some changes, a, a, a law that was adopted in my name that were the result of conversations I had with the premier, with ministers on school boards, uh, with uh, uh, our caucus, with respect to issues affecting our English speaking community. I can look at things that I've accomplished that I'm, that I'm really quite uh, proud of. Um, one of the things I've always felt as a member of our English speaking community and particularly of a, uh, as a member of our Jewish community is that we contribute so much when we, were, we are part of Quebec's mainstream. I was passionately determined in my eight years to be one of 125 decision makers in Quebec City. I did it with my proud Jewish and English speaking baggage, but I did it as a Quebecer. And I think I'm in, in some ways very proud of those key policy issues I dealt with, uh, medical aid and dying, uh, issues with respect to mental health that are not particular to our community because I was there as a Jewish and English speaking Quebecer participating in the lawmaking of Quebec. And I'm really proud of that. Now the Liberals unfortunately only had for you, unfortunately, and maybe for all of us with the way the CAQ is working, only had one term. Philip Couillard, uh, you know, was very good at the, the finance of the of the government. Uh, but uh, the, the reforms that Gaetan Barrett made were extremely unpopular. And the CAC, uh, you know, only had like 20 something seats, yet they won. And look what all the things they've done since they were elected. But you were also a supporter of Barrett. And when you had your Darcy McGee Awards, he was there. Uh, he came to a lot of your meetings. So you're a defender of Gaetan Barrett. Well, uh, were there uh, big mistakes made in the uh, rolling out of his reform? With, with, without a doubt. But I think Gaetan deserves credit for a number of things. One, it's very significant to note that we're into year five now, a second mandate of a CAC government that has reversed zero, zero, of the reforms that Monsieur Barrett put in place. Good point. The other thing uh, that, that I think Quebecers want to acknowledge, and Gaetan, despite his very forceful and frank and uh, a, a direct public style, was deeply discreet about noting one of the reasons those reforms were put in place with our government having to support it was the need to recuperate some three 
billion dollars in a, in a horrible deficit that the previous, previous PQ government left us. So that was part of his very difficult mandate. And as Gaetan will tell you, so many of those reforms needed a phase two, which he had hoped to shepherd in a second term. But sure, there were mistakes made, but I think we did set the table uh, for a very lucky CAC government that had uh, inherited a financial situation that allowed it to move forward uh, through none of its own doing it through the work that we did. I remember, David, when Dominic Anglade became the leader, you supported her from the beginning, from, the, from day one. I had my doubts about her. I didn't really think she was the right leader. And I think myself and many others uh, can now say that's the truth. I don't think she ran a, a good campaign at all in the fall. I think she gave the uh, the CAC a complete pass on Bill 21. To me, that could have been a great issue. She did get a great candidate to succeed you in Darcy McGee, but it took a long time, and there were many others who were passed over. Um, but what is your assessment of Dominic Anglade? Now, unfortunately, her political career is over. Yeah, I, I uh, maintain my sincere affection and admiration uh, for Dominic. Um, did she make mistakes? Of course she did. I thought, frankly, I'll disagree with you. I thought she ran a very courageous campaign. I, she must take responsibility for a very, very poor lead up to that campaign. I thought our party, um, and I presume each of us as MNAs has to take some responsibility, did a very poor job in preparing for an election campaign that uh, every pollster had us losing. We did as well as any pollster expected we would, but that, that's hardly a success. Of course it wasn't. And she must take some responsibility for that. I think looking forward and even looking back a little bit, there are some huge issues that the Parti libéral du Québec faces and must face with courage moving on. I was quite vocal in those months following the, the election, the bad election results in deploring what I thought was a bit of a, a coup in some ways. Dominic, I think would look you and I in the eye and know that she was not to be the leader of the Quebec Liberal Party moving into an election four years from now. That said, my own view, is uh, quite frankly that my former colleagues looked for a, a shortcut and an easy way to start heading back to power in, I think, uh, somewhat greedily and short-sightedly dumping their leader. Look, now we move on. And now I do hope that the party I remain deeply loyal to understands that it's got a deeply painful painstaking and serious and transparent job ahead of us in rebuilding towards the next election. And there's work to be done. And, and any leader, Marc Tanguay will start it as interim leader, has to take that work seriously in moving forward. It's nice to be able to talk to you. And I always said, I do believe there's somebody out there listening in the broadcast industry who should be giving you your own uh, punditry. You could be another Tom Mulcair uh, because you're very articulate, lots of experience, not only in politics, but from your years with Alliance Quebec, Canadian Jewish Congress, the Quebec English School Boards Association. You've got a wealth of, uh, you know, a journalist in your early days. Uh, but now that we're speaking, uh, you know, the truth, uh, you were a colleague of Mary Claude Nicholas um, and France Benjamin, 
who I think are two of the most selfish politicians I've ever seen. Here was the Liberal Party already licking its wounds. She grandstands and basically threatens to leave the party unless she gets a certain position. Then Mark Tongay comes up with a compromise. Now, he could have gone and told France Benjamin. France Benjamin could have said, you know what, I'm going to do this for the team. I'll split it in two and we'll have 20 M&As and we'll look good. But they both thought of themselves. So I want, I mean, Clary Claude Nicholas and France Benjamin, what do you think about how they behaved uh, and, and how they're behaving right now, especially her? Yeah, I, I, I would uh, go most of that road with you. And I said so publicly. Um, it's understood by anybody in elected office that uh, you go where the chef of the party asks you to go. It's like one of my favorite lines on my favorite show, The West Wing. Each of his cabinet secretaries noted to the president that I serve at the pleasure of the president. That's how this game works. So I, I, I do deplore that Marie-Claude Nichols uh, publicly rejected the proposal of her chef. Uh, I think Dominic overreacted, frankly, in, in excluding her from caucus. I think there was a better way. But I agree with you. I think Marie-Claude uh, uh, made a mistake. I got given some difficult jobs in, in, in opposition. Uh, and I understood that the, my leader needed me there. And I, and I said, Yes, and that should be the only answer. I differ somewhat with you on France Benjamin. And by the way, they're both effective, uh, honorable people who I really enjoyed working with. Where I differ with you a bit, and it's based on my comments, is that a leader makes you a proposal. It's your job to accept it. Uh, the leader, for reasons that belong to her that I, I need to respect, designated France as the uh, uh, third uh, deputy speaker. Um, so I do understand to a certain extent him believing that that offer was made by the duly chosen leader of his party, and thus he felt he could accept it. Uh, but I, I am disappointed by how my party handled that entire episode, and now I look forward to watching the party take very seriously, like I say, uh, and with great humility, opening up to all Quebecers and explaining who we are and where we're going. And look, Mike, the, the one thing, if I might, that's so important, the Quebec Liberal Party remains the only party in the National Assembly committed to Canada, deeply committed to the inclusion of all Quebecers when it comes to immigration and language legislation. And that's a tough burden, but uh, it's got to be explained. And Quebecers will come along if you explain it properly, I think. Very well articulated, David. Uh, I want to wish you the best. Uh, we're, we're, of course, going to stay in touch. And, Absolutely. Uh, uh, we're going to let Mick play you off. So all the best and good luck, David. A real pleasure always, Michael. Thank you. Thanks to David Birnbaum.